0: Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. For more information, please call two three four eight zero three four eight one zero eight six nine, or for free audio downloads, kindly visit www.davidogaga.org. Okay. We want to continue from where well, we stopped last week. We still dealing with the three specific role of the Holy Spirit. This is part six of this study. And our text is still John 16, reading seven, and now we are up to verse 10. So let's start reading from John 16, from verse number seven, so that we can be in tune with what we're dealing with. John 16, verse seven. 16, verse seven. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's expedient from you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Verse eight. When he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Verse 9. Of sin because they believe not on me. And verse 10. Of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more. Now verse 11. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judge. That is what we're dealing with. The verse 11. Now try to explain to us that these three aspects of the workings of the Holy Spirit, they are very vital because they demonstrate to us who Christ really is. The emphasis is on Christ. Amen. That is why you find that in the true sense of faith to go through the Bible, like what he said in the book of Hebrews, saying the volume of the book is written about me, the scriptures is about Christ. It's fundamental for you to understand that even if you're trying to establish a doctrine, it must all hinge on Jesus Christ. It's very important you get that right. So I mentioned this previously. we've had men who say... It's all about our righteousness. It's part of what we share sometime. But the point again is this. We can't be talking about our righteousness without his righteousness. Because his righteousness must be becoming our righteousness. It must be first him, then we. Is that okay? So when he says he's going to remove the wall of righteousness, I try to explain that. First of all, when he mentioned the first part when he said... Um, He's going to the Father, He see me no more, talks about righteousness, talks about convincing the world. I try to, try to make us understand the major purpose is to convince the world that he is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Is that right? Then the part of the righteousness is to convince the world that it's a righteous Lamb, it's an innocent Lamb that was crucified innocently. That was his righteousness. Is that okay? Okay, now, but he did that for us to become, as it were, a sin offering. Because it became a sin offering, we became righteous. Is that alright? Okay, then. But now, we're dealing with the issue of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. By implication, his death brought judgment to that which is called Satan. Are you following it now? And last week, we we'll tried to look at that from John 12. Right now, shall the prince of this world be cast out? Remember that. Okay, so I want to continue with that uh, this evening. So again, we'll go back to John twelve thirty-one, and we'll look at that. So in, in John twelve thirty-one, now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out? Now you find out the same thing actually it's what he's, he's saying when he says in John uh, 16 verse 11 now is the judgment of this world he's saying the same thing as saying now shall the prince of this world be cast out the casting out equals the same thing as the judgment of the prince of the world he's saying the same thing now we find that the judgment took place when he went to the cross and that's why I'm going to read some scripture this evening that may, uh, that will shake your foundation, uh, about the things that you truly need to understand in relation to this issue of judgment and then um, be cast out. Hallelujah. Let me see how fast we can go tonight. Hallelujah. So the casting out here and the judgment here actually is dealing with the issue of the devil's authority, his power, his dominion over men, by which he leads them into what I will call the realm of slavery that ends up in debt. The subjecting of man to the drives of the enemy is what the Lord is judging. Is bringing a judgment of the power, to the authority, to the dominion. That's what it's exactly saying here. When he says, now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. He is going to put a judgment over the power of the enemy by removing his power from the life of his people. Is that okay? Okay, I'm going to read a few scriptures. Let's compare this scripture in Ephesians chapter 2. Look at verse 1 and 2. I would like us to read it to three. I would like us to read it from the King James, the message, and the New Living Translation. So let's take it first of all from the King James Version. And ye had he quicken. The word quicken means made alive. Who were dead in trespasses and sins. wherein in time passed. Ye walked. To walk means to live. You walk according to the cause. A cause meets a standard. A pattern of life. Is that okay? You walk after the cause of this world according to the prince of the power of the uh, the spirit that it Now walketh. I want you to get that. The spirit that now walketh in the children of disobedience. Okay? So get up verse 3. And it says... Among whom also we all had our conversations. Conversation is not talking to each other. Conversation is a lifestyle. Is that okay? We had our conversation in time past, in the loss of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we are by nature the children of wrath, even as what? As all Okay, let's go to message translation. Message translation. Ephesians 2, verse 1. It wasn't so long ago that you were and mired in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world which doesn't know the first thing about living tell you how to live. You fill your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhale disobedience. Is that okay? We all did it, all of us doing what we felt like doing. When we felt like doing it, all of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose His temper and do away with the whole lot of us. Amen. Let's go to Living Bible. I want you to catch something. The cause of this world, as it were, is being propelled, managed, ruled—if you want—is anybody want—by one man, which is called the Prince of this world. Is that all right? Okay, he said, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in your sin world. He is a spirit at work in the hearts, and I want you to catch that, in the heart of those who refuse to do what? Obey God. So I want you first of all to know where his dominion is. Where is the dominion of the devil? The heart of man. Where is the seat of his power? The heart of man. Is that okay? So where is he ruling from? The heart of man. I want you to catch it because it's very important. The next thing I'm going to be saying. Verse number 3. All of us used to live like that way, following the passionate desires and inclination of our sinful nature, but our very nature were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Praise the living God. You Because that, now I want you to note, like I said, the key point is the heart of men. You can control a man until you rule through his heart, which, as a matter of fact, Is a spirit. And that's what the Bible says in the book of Proverbs. It said, He that have rule over his own heart is like he that taketh what? A city. Is that okay? In other words, you have to understand that you are a city, and the source of the power to control that city is your heart. There are many members in your body. James said the same thing. From where comes walls? Are they not coming from the members? Your members. So there are many people dwelling in this house. Is that okay? Good. Now to control all these members, the seat of control is where? It's in the heart. So he that ruleth his spirit, is like he that taketh his city. Is that okay? Good and then he said again that he that have no control by his spirit is like a city without walls whose walls are broken down so you find that the center of the control is the heart which is synonymous here to the spirit meaning that the devil that you be fighting the one in your heart is stronger than the one outside of your heart I'll make you see why it is so hallelujah okay okay Now, notice very well the devil is in charge of men's hearts. And so, if Jesus is coming to undo the devil, where do you think he will visit to do that job? The heart of man. Let's look at the scripture anyway. Mighty 12, Amplify, verse 28. Amplify, verse 28. He said, but I say unto you that whosoever look at, what am I? Mighty 12, 28, I'm sorry. Mighty 12, 28. Amplified translation. And this is what he says. But if it is by the Spirit. Now, you know the story. They said he was casting out devils with the Spirit of Beelzebub. So, he made the statement. But if by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come unto you before you expected it. Now, the emphasis there is drive out demons. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out, driven out. From where? From the heart of man. So here you he find that if he cast out demons, what he's trying to say, the demon that was controlling the people, he cast them out. And what's the next thing that happened? There's a replacement. What is replacing that now? The kingdom of God. Now, when the kingdom of God replaces the space that the demon is cast automatically Christ has been enthroned. And when Christ has been enthroned, he is enthroned through what? The Holy Spirit. Now you watch, you watch what he said. It's expedient for me to go away, for if I go not away, the comfort I will know the what will not come. Are you getting that now? Now the Comforter is coming to be able to do what he came to do. He came to destroy the power of Satan. Now the Holy Spirit did exactly the same thing that he would have done if he was physically still alive, and that is to get demons out of the heart of man and get God's kingdom established in the heart of man. So here he's saying, if I cast out devil by the Spirit, which is the Holy Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God. Has come unto you, meaning the Holy Spirit carries God's kingdom. That's why I keep shouting and saying, "If you say the kingdom of God is not here, if it is something that's going to come from the by and by, from years to come, invariably you're saying the Holy Spirit is not here because the Holy Spirit is synonymous to what the kingdom of God. You following that? Okay, so. Now you can see that the casting out of Satan from the heart of man is already connected to the introduction of the kingdom of God. Also in the heart of man. Because that is where the seat of power of the devil is. Now God's dominion has to be established there as well. Where is the dominion to be established? In the heart of man. When God cast out the devil's the heart of dominion in the heart of man, he replaces it with his kingdom. Also where? In the heart of man. Okay, we're going to take a scripture on that. Let's look at Luke 17. You know, a time to come, King James, if you will, Luke 17, 20. They came to Jesus to ask him, when? And when he was reminded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come? He answered them and said, the kingdom of God coming out with observation. Look at it in this verse. Neither shall they say, Lo, there are behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Now, I want to draw your attention to something. He didn't answer the question they asked about the time. When will the kingdom come? He didn't answer when, but he answered where, the location. Did you get that? I wanted to pick it. Their own concern is, when will he come? I mean, when will the kingdom come? But instead of answering the when, he answered the where. And where did he say the kingdom is? Within you. Are you there with me? Some translation says The kingdom is around you and among you Fine, there's nothing wrong with that Because Jesus was standing among them But the point is this If we take it to mean It simply means the kingdom is within you Remember the people that ask the question were the scribes and the Pharisees They never have the kingdom So you can't say the kingdom is within them But what he meant to say there was, the kingdom is what? Around you. But personally, he personified the kingdom. That is why Joseph Arimathea was to go get the body. Because he was waiting for the kingdom. Mark chapter 15, 43-45. Remember that? Good. So there's a point now. So when he said the kingdom of God is within you, it is the same thing when he spoke to the Pharisees, I think he might you. 23, 45, I mean 43 Thereabout. he made a statement saying okay there's a scripture I want to read I think we'll look at that a little bit let me show you the power of Satan, the thing he's doing and the attribute of that which is in your heart or in the heart of man that he is dethroning to establish what? his kingdom, the word within is the word entos, which means inside of you entos, inside of you is that okay? There's a Greek word for that. But let's go down to Matthew chapter 7. And verse 21. Maybe we'll take it from verse 20. Or oh, let's go to 19. Let's go to 19. Mind you. No, no, no. Mark, please. Not Matthew. Let's take Mark. We should have gone to Mark 15. I'm Matthew 15. Let's take Mark. Mark 7 from 19. Mark. The book of Mark. Okay. Go back a little bit. Let's go to... 18. There is something I want to bring out there. Uh, so what do we do? Okay, back a bit. Let's go. Sixteen. Go with me to sixteen. I wanted to get it back. If any man had ears, let him hear. Okay, go to verse 17. And when he was entered into the house from the disciples, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. And he said unto them, I also without understanding also, do you not perceive that whatsoever thing from without entering into the man cannot defile him? I want you to know this. Nothing outside. Now, when I was studying Sunday ministry also strongly to me, I am persuaded, I am so convinced by reason of this scripture, that there is nothing outside of me that can destroy me. Come on, are you following what I'm talking about? He said, nothing outside of man that can destroy man. So our destruction is from within. Once we accept and agree with what we see on the outside, we get defiled and we're destroyed. You following me? (laughs) Okay. Okay, let's look at the next verse 19. Because he entered not into where his heart, but into the belly, and went out into the duct, pudging all meat. You know what he's saying? The food you eat doesn't destroy you, because the food does not go into your heart. The food goes into your stomach, and you pass it out the next day. It have nothing to do with your life. Are you getting that? The emphasis is the word, the heart. So the only thing that can destroy you is what gets into your heart. Hallelujah. So that is why somebody was speaking to me yesterday and said, Pastor, I just need your prayer. The enemies want to get me. Then I ask a question. Have you gotten one prophecy now? And what did they say? <laughs> now, the person does that because of a truth, I'm sure he's gotten a prophecy that somebody wants to kill him. Now, the point is that if you got a prophecy, somebody wants to kill you, and you don't take it to heart. Come on, are you getting that? It can't do you anything. What does not get into your heart have no power to destroy you. Glory to God. You see that? You need to carry this. It's very vital. Anything else. So it's like, even if you got a prophecy that I look crazy, you can enter from here and go out from the other side. It still will do you nothing. And that is also, on the other hand, if you receive a prophecy that is of God, and you don't take it to heart, it will profit you. Everything centers on the heart. So that is where the devil is. That is where the authority of the devil is. In other words, if the devil wants to get hold of you, he works on your hearts. If you he wants to ruin you, he works on your hearts. Hallelujah. So now go to verse 20. So Jesus is saying here. And he said, That quick coming out of the man, that defileth the man. That which comments, that which comments, that which the heart produces, that's what defies, that's what destroys. Amen. And this is why also it's very important we mind what we say. You know, Paul made a statement. He said we speak because we believe. Is that okay? So if you say some things and you come to believe those things you're saying. They're going to get you the result of what you are saying. And so Jesus will say, By your words you are condemned, by your words you are justified. Are you with me? He said that which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man is what comes out. It's not what goes in. Even if it has to be the one that goes in, it has to be the one that has been eternalized in your hearts. Then it's coming out. It's either you're verbalizing it, or you're acting it, or you're releasing it. But it's already in your heart. And so Solomon was saying in the Book of Proverbs, "Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life." You know that word? Life flows from the heart. Meaning also that death flows from the heart. Verse twenty-one. For from within. Now, you watch what he said in Luke. The kingdom of God is within you. For from within you. You following that now. So, it's either you're going to produce these things all in the hearts, or you're going to produce kingdom virtues all in the hearts. For from within, in toast out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adultery, fornication, murders. Go ahead. Theft, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, and evil eye, blasphemy, pride, and what? Foolishness. Where did they come from? So, if you see a wise man, you can know that he has something in his heart. If you see a foolish man, you can know that he has something in his heart. But again, understand this the whole of these things you see here are the products of Genesis 3 the tree of knowledge of good and evil everything you see here are you following me now so now the devil came now you watch this Ephesians 2 is saying we were following the course of this world. why because the devil sowed the seed into the heart of Eve and Adam are you getting that now? So he got hold of them, and now they begin to release these particular virtues. So Jesus came, destroy the devil, gets into your heart, plant another seed. What seed? The seed of the kingdom. That is all about redemption. That is all about what Jesus came to do to replace the center of the devil operation in your heart with another entity, another seed, another power, another dominion that you may manifest God's kingdom. So God's kingdom is not just a question of demonstration of power. That's inclusive. But it has to do with the lifestyle. Amen? Are you following me? Hallelujah. Okay, now I want to take you to a scripture that's going to blow your mind. There are some things I won't touch but I'm just going to I want to see if you are following what I'm saying in this scripture. It's a common scripture that everybody talks about, theologians have used, uh, but we want to look at it. Don't don't forget this. (laughs) He is casting out devil. Is that okay? The judgment of this world. Now we know where the devil is. Am I right? Revelation 12. Let me just try to hold myself so that I don't say too many things that you may not be able to handle. <laughs> Revelation 12 and 7. Revelation 12, 7. Now I'm sure you've heard about this. And there was one in heaven. <laughs> Hallelujah. Michael and his angel fought against the dragon and the dragon fought and his angels. Now, I'm not going to spend time interpreting this because what I'm looking for is different. But, let's begin to look at this. There was only heaven. Which heaven? Upstairs? Because this is what people have used to interpret what happened in Isaiah 14. And Lucifer was cast down. I, I was watching this, my good friend. Very good friend of mine, precious friend of mine. Or listen I just saw one of his videos online, so I was listening and oh come on. Here is he blasting how he was such a wonderful messenger, was so close to God, and he wanted to dethrone God. <laughs> but if Isaiah fourteen is what happened some years back, Jesus just told her now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Now, not yesterday. John 12, 31. Is that okay? Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. John 16, 11. Now is the judgment of this world. It is a yesterday. It is a some years back before I was born. He said now. Hallelujah. So if we have to understand the now of Jesus, then this war was not yesterday's war. It all goes down to the now. The casting out of devil was a warfare. Oh, come on. God is in your spirit. Am I correct? He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Can I venture to say, God cannot live outside of heaven? Does it make sense? God is in heaven? God is in your (laughs) heart? Something is confusing you now, but I'm doing it deliberately for you to think. So where is the warfare? We are trying to get the devil out of heaven. Where? In your heart. Because that is God's throne. You get in this. That is where He rules from. He doesn't rule from the sky. He rules in your hearts. Hallelujah. And somebody said, "Michael is as angel." Oh, I'm sure I've dealt with this before. If you can remember, you know who Michael is. The word simply means who is like God. And the word angel actually means the word messenger. People need to understand. Angel is not creatures with wings. The one scripture describes as creatures with wings in the Bible are cherubim and seraphims. Angels are not creatures with wings. Angel simply means messengers. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Have you read in the book of Malaika? Let's see if we can get it. Malaika chapter, let's look at chapter 3, if that's what I'm looking for. But it talks about the messenger of the covenant whom you seek, who's telling him to come to his temple. Malaika 3 verse 1, if that is what I'm mean. We'll come back to uh, Revelation 12. Malaika, can you pick it up for me? Hallelujah. We can find it. This is something sometimes good to read the Bible. Okay, look at this. Behold, I will send my messenger. Listen closely. And he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of what? The covenant. Whom you delight in. He shall come. Say the Lord of hosts. Look at verse 2. But who may abide in the day of his coming? Okay, you go back to verse 1 there. Let's turn on verse one. Let me just finish with verse one. This one talk about coming to, I mean, refinance fire and so on and so forth. But remain in verse one. Look at that. I will send my messenger and he shall prepare the way before me and the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple. Even. So the messenger equals the Lord whom you seek. Who is the Lord that you seeking here? Jesus Christ. Can you get that? So when he said, I will send my messenger, who is that messenger? John the Baptist. I'm sending John the Baptist and Jesus Christ, whom you say will surely do what? Come. So here we find that the scripture referring to Jesus as what? A messenger. So therefore he's an angel. In context, in relation to the covenant. Are you getting that? You did you follow what I've just done? In fact, the Bible refers to him. You know, go back to Revelation 12. Bible referred to him as the Archangel. Is that okay? Michael, the Archangel. What does it mean? Arch. The word arch means first, means chief. So you can say the chief messenger. Is that okay? Good. Why? Because there are other messengers, but he is the chief messenger. What message is he carrying? He carries the message of what the covenant whom you seek. Is that okay? I'm only trying to do this just to help you. So when you say Michael and his angels, it simply means his messengers as well. Fought against the dragon and the dragon fought against his angels. So if I have to tell you this, the angels of Michael, they are simply the believers in Roman empires at that time. They were saints. They were Christians. They were believers. Go on. Verse number 8. Let's deal with it in relation to the message for tonight. And he prevailed not, neither was there a place found anymore in heaven. Meaning, they were cast out. Now is the judgment of this world, now shall the prince of this world, be what? Cast out. From where? <laughs> okay. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan could deliver the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Now, let's run through the scripture, because there are some things I want to say. I'll come back to this. Go to verse 10. Verse 10. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now you listen closely. Now is come salvation and strength and what? The kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accused them before God, they what? A night. That means the casting out of devil establishes the kingdom and those who have come into the kingdom, they rejoice. Now the question is this: If you think this is what happened in heaven, who are those, you know, rejoicing? One minute, was the blood of Jesus poured out in heaven, up in the sky, or was it poured out right here on the earth? Look at it, there. Was salvation opened up in heaven or right here on the earth? Look at it. I heard a live voice saying in heaven, "Now it's come." We have received it, and strength, and the kingdom of our God, and the power of His Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them. They and I, brethren. What accuser of the brethren? What? 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 What do you mean, brethren? Believers, am I right? Fine. Believers up in the heaven? No. <laughs> are you with me? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Okay, I want you to pick up something here. Uh, let's rush through this from the Message Translation. I mean, Amplify. Let's just take it from verse um, verse eight, Amplify, and then I'll say something on that from amplified Translation. Then I had, okay, verse eight, Amplify. But they were defeated, and there was no room found for them in heaven any longer. No room five for them in heaven. No room five for them in the heart of man. Somebody say, Pastor, you say heaven is heart of man. What are you trying to teach in this message? Better watch it. I've said this before. God will never leave outside of heaven. Did he say you're my temple? Did he say we dwell in you? Hallelujah. I didn't say that. He said it. <laughs> now the tabernacle of God is with men did he say it? hallelujah now I want to show you something things here because very critical before we move on um, okay verse 10 look at verse 10 very quickly verse 10 Then I heard a strong, loud voice in heaven saying, Now it has come, the salvation and the power and the kingdom, the dominion, the reign of our God. Where is he reigning from? In our hearts. And the power, the sovereignty and the authority of his Christ, the Messiah. For the accuser of our brethren, he will kiss bringing before our God, charges against them day and night, have me cast them. Now I'm interested in this last verse. Day and night. Where do you find day and night? That's a problem and you say this happened in heaven but he's talking about day and night you can't find day and night in eternity heaven whatever you want to put it is it making sense to you okay let's let's really use scripture to back up this Genesis one we meet accused day and night that means the accusation is taking place right here that is why the salvation results what? Right here. Genesis 1.14. Genesis 1.14. Very quickly. Hallelujah. Remember, we're talking about the casting out of the devil. And God said, Lady of the lights. In the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. And then there be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. Now I want you to watch that. For science, day and night, for what? For science, for seasons, for days, for years. Praise the Lord. Are you there with me? Okay. Ah, uh, just move on to something else. I, I would like to. Otherwise, you can read all of that to up to verse 18, but we don't need to look into that doesn't make sense right now let's move on Genesis 8 because you already catch what I'm talking about I want you to see where this day and night thing is taking place Genesis 8:21. this is after Noah came down and the lost man he made a sacrifice remember that the flood dried up Noah came down planted a garden before he did that made a sacrifice is that okay and the Bible says, the Lord smelled his sweet servant, and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again cause the ground anymore for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, neither will I again smite anymore every living thing as I have done. While the earth remaineth see time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and what? day and night shall not cease. So day and night is directly connected to the earth. Did you pick it there? Hallelujah. Day and night is an earthly factor. So when he says, the dragon, the devil, by the way, the dragon is like a sea monster. The dragon is, is bigger than... Now, you take the description. You have a dragon, you have the devil, you have Satan, you have serpents. Are they talking of different people? It's one man. It's like your father, son, and Holy Ghost. It was a little serpent that grew to become what? A dragon. When it becomes a dragon, it becomes a monster that kills. But when it was a little serpent... He walks through deception. He did that in the garden. But when he became a dragon, he became a controller of empire, just like the Roman Empire. Are you getting this? So the little serpent grew to become a dragon. Now, it simply means the serpent in the heart of man congregates and multiplies itself in the heart of man for them to think the same way and act with evil way. And so we are evil empire, just like we have the ISIS right now. It's a dragon system. It's a beast. Hallelujah. Now, there is something you need to also understand. There. When you talk about the old serpent, the Genesis, what we're reading now, which has to do with, I mean, Revelation 12, verse 9, it says the old serpent. That one is referring to Genesis 3, verse 1 and 4. When Eve was deceived. Refer to him as serpent. Now the word devil is a Greek word for accuser or slanderer. Satan is a Hebrew word for adversary. Especially in courts of justice. Somebody will start to accuse you. And say this man is a criminal so kill him. So you see the whole function of what you call Satan is what the scripture is describing. First of all, describe him as a deceiver, serpent. Is that okay? We beguise you in your heart. Then describe him as devil, which is accuser, or sandra. Then Satan, which is adversary, something who accuses you, who works against your prospect, against your life. I want you to understand the description of the given. Primary place is deceiver, serpent. Is that Okay. From serpent to devil, diabolos in the Greek, which means accuser or slanderer, then Satan. Somebody who slanders people. You understand what it means to slander? Alright. Then Satan is a Hebrew word for adversary. Somebody who opposes you. Is that okay? Okay. So now, when you see the two worlds, Hebrew and Greek, you are saying the same thing. From the perspective. The Greek word is devil. The Hebrew word is Satan. It's the same thing. Is that okay? Praise the Lord. Now why do you think it's like that? Because the church is made up of both Greeks and Hebrew people. Because here's the word, he accused of the brethren. So it has to be in the Hebrew. It has be in the Greek. In other words, the Hebrew believers and the Gentile believers. That's why you use the word Satan and devil. Devil is Greek. Satan is Hebrew. But it's person. So he's talking of the summary of how this enemy is working in the church and against the church. And the people that make up the church. Because basically the church is made up of the Gentiles and the Jews or the Hebrews. Hallelujah. Remember when Jesus was crucified? How that he said "Is the king of the Jew origin in three languages? How many of you can remember that? Good. Why? In other words, those were the major languages that were spoken at that time in the Roman Empire. Therefore, there was no one that have an excuse not to understand what was written there. So, when we look at the word devil and Satan were just saying the same thing, but from Greek and what? And Hebrew. Praise the living God. Amen. So when we talk about the great dragon that was cast out. When we look at this same, the great dragon and Satan mentioned in this verse. A lot of people want to take it literally. I see there was a literal war. You see, but when you start reading the book of Revelation and make it a literal book, you miss the essence of the book. Is that alright? Because in Revelation chapter 1, reading down to verse 3, the Bible tells us this message Jesus sent and signifies it to his own disciple or servant. The word signified means he symbolizes it. So the book is a book of symbols. And every symbol has to be interpreted. So in the first place, this is a spiritual book. And that is why, too, it is very erroneous to compare this book with the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel was a literal book. But the book of Revelation is a spiritual book. The book of Daniel was consigning the Jews are literal people. The book of Revelation is 37 churches with a spiritual people. Is everybody understanding me? So you can't truly really use the book of Daniel to interpret the book of Revelation. You may have some motifs coming in there. But now, these are two different books... One again is a sealed book and this one is an open book because the Bible says blessed are those that read it and believe in this prophecy. But the book of Daniel it says "Seal the book until the time of the end. This one is an open book Daniel is a sealed book. Is anybody getting this? So you can compare the two. I want you to catch this. And this is the only book in the Bible that have a promise of being blessed for reading it. Hey, is anybody understanding me? Go to Revelation. Let me show you something. Revelation chapter 1. I'm just trying to tell you that the blood is part of the casting of the Satan is done in your heart. So that God can establish his kingdom. Revelation chapter 1. Revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it. Look at that. He said not signified. The word signified means he symbolized it. By his angel, I don't his servant John. Now, now, this is a book for servants. I've mentioned that sometime. It's not a book for everybody. It takes a servant to understand the book of Revelation. Come on, come on, come on. Are you with me? Verse 2 says, look at verse 2. Who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw and verse 3 says blessed is he that read it and they that hear the words of this prophecy so in the first place this book is a prophetic book and every prophecy must be interpreted according to the spirit of the prophecy does it make sense? it's not just a historical book it's a prophetic book And those who spoke, they were inspired by a prophetic spirit. Therefore, for you to understand it, you have to have a prophetic spirit to understand the prophecy. Okay, give me this in the book of... I mean, let's take it from um, Amplified. Just this verse. Just this verse. Blessed. Now you watch this, watch this. Blessed, happy to be envied Is the man who is allowed In the assemblies The word of this prophecy And blessed, happy to be envied Are those who hear it Read it And who keep themselves true to the things Which are written in it hidden them and laying them toward To hearts, For the time for them to be fulfilled Is near this is the only book in the Bible that promises blessing for reading it (laughs) no other scripture right from Genesis this is the only book that God says when you read it you'll be blessed but what happened to our preachers today this is the only book that you see all the demons all the dragons all the wicked empires and you tell me how you're going to be happy when they are telling you one Antichrist is going to pursue you. Where will your joy be? Where is it going to come from? But this is a prophecy about Jesus Christ. Remember. Look at verse 1. Look at verse 1 again. I'll show you now. And i try to finish up. Verse 1. Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. This is, okay, the revelation of who? Jesus Christ. Which God gave unto him. Now, follow it. Just easily. Follow it. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Which God gave unto who? Unto Jesus himself. It means God gave him the ministry to open up something. The word revelation means apocalypse. So, go and reveal you being the savior anointed. You feeling that? He sent him, as said, I'm sending you to the world to reveal this to ministry. You are the Savior anointed. That's what he say here. Go and open up the charter of you being the Savior, the anointed. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Which God gave to him. Then he now gave it to his own what? Disciples. Or servants. To declare. So what are we supposed to be declaring in this book? The revelation of who? Of Jesus Christ. Not demons, not dragons, not Antichrist. So what are we seeing in Revelation 12? It's not one demon somewhere. We're only seeing the empire of Rome and the paganism that was oppressing and suppressing Christianity. In the time before the time of constant time. That's just what we're seeing there. That's what the dragon and all of those things stands for. Nothing to do with some demons up in the sky one beat, No, no, no. As many as allude themselves and allow themselves to be deceived. paganism was such a terrible system that was oppressing and suppressing Christianity. And they were trying to propagate in such a way that they want everybody to worship idols, worship emperors. Are you getting that? That's what we're talking about. That was the warfare. That was the... That was a warfare. In fact, when Constantine finally came in and declared Christianity to the state religion, in fact, it, it, it can be declared that Satan was literally cast out of the Roman Empire. Because when he became an emperor, he said Christianity, as it were, should become what? A state religion. Because he became a Christian. So at that stage, we can say, Christianity became the official religion of the Roman Empire and that's about AD 388, 388 AD. That's when finally Rome embraced Christianity. Is that okay? And we can declare that right in that time, Satan was literally cast out from being on the throne of the Roman Empire. Just as being cast out from the throne of where? Your hearts. How is it been done? As we close. By the Holy Spirit. If I cast out the devil with the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come unto you. You get that? So what is he saying? It is good that I go away. If I go not away, the comforter will not come. If he comes, he's going to do three things. Convey the world of sin. Declare the world of righteousness. Judge the prince of this world. Are you getting that now? So the Holy Spirit is at work in the heart of man To establish God's kingdom And so doing cast out what? The devil That God's kingdom Might be established where? In the heart of man So just like we can see that the devil was cast out From the Roman Empire Constantine received the inspiration To become a Christian And make Christianity as it were An official religion The devil was cast out Paganism was subdued Even so it is that when God begins to walk in your life, all of those things, don't forget. If anything you will forget tonight, I mean, you, you mustn't forget tonight. This is one thing. There is nothing that comes outside of you that can destroy you. It's only what comes from within you that can destroy you. So don't you ever believe that there's one power anywhere that will come to destroy you. Except you receive it, except you nourish it, except you believe into it in your heart. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. I'll see you next week.